Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the Scroot who, who for real just needs to turn around the garden with Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who are either enchantingly nasty or obsolete dingbats. Jury's still out. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? I'm completely with you on the Scroot Steed and Walk kind of thing. I mean... I- <laughs> I thoroughly, in the middle of pandemic, I have thoroughly frustrated my dog with how much I want to go on walksies. Forget him. He's just there for the purpose of visuals. Um, so we are here in the, what number chapter are we on? 18, I believe. Chapter 18 of the fourth book of Harry Potter, The Goblet of Fire. And the chapter title is The Weighing of the Wands. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid-fire recap. We have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. Uh, we award house points. And then there are questions and queries and... Quibbles that's and qualms. And... all there is. No, there are no quibbles or qualms at this point. <laughs> Just very tame questions and queries that are all imminently answerable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep believing that, sir. In reasonable sound bites. <laughs> Well, Sarah, it's been a bit of a mixed bag on points for you in terms of your recap over the last couple of weeks, and we're getting into a run of decidedly longer oh chapters. Boy. Are you are you being ambitious and setting a goal for yourself, or are you just hoping like hell for two minutes? No, we are uh, winging a prayer under two minutes this time right. around. I don't. Oof, I don't know. We're we'll see. There's a lot that happens in this chapter. We go many places. Harry has many crises. <laughs> All right, well, the cheap plastic stopwatch is ready to go. If you are, just start at your leisure. Harry wakes up in a panic, although more about Ron than about being the inexplicable underage fourth Triwizard champion. When he goes down to breakfast, Hermione very kindly hands him toast and takes him on a walk. Hermione believes him, him completely and tries to explain Ron's reaction to him. Ron's jealous, but Harry really doesn't want to hear it. She also urges Harry to write to Sirius, which he finally does, and they take it up to the Allery, where Hedwig is offended they use one of the school owls, and Harry is having a bad day. Not least because the rest of the school is pretty pissed at him, particularly the Hufflepuffs for stealing Cedric Diggory's thunder. At Care of Magical Creatures, uh, where they're supposed to be taking the scroots for walks, Hagrid takes Harry aside. He's one other person who believes him, but he is worried about him. Things continue apace for Harry, who is sick to death of people treating him like a publicity hound, and worse, comparing him to Cedric, who is, granted, very champion-like. Down in Potions, Harry finds out that the Slytherins have concocted badges supporting Cedric as the real champion while insulting Harry on command. Not only that, but Malfoy's back on the mudblood kick with Hermione, so Harry curses him. Malfoy shoots a hex at the same time, and they bounce off each other to hit Goyle and Hermione instead. Goyle's got boils. Hermione's front teeth are growing unstoppably. Snape, in a real unforgivable move, sends Goyle to the hospital wing and claims to see nothing different about Hermione, who sprints from the room. 50 points from Gryffindor and detentions for Harry and Ron. Snape's also ready to test their antidotes, which Harry certainly hasn't had time to prepare in the hubbub. Snape has him in his sights when he's saved by Colin Creevy, who comes in to fetch Harry and take him upstairs. The Daily Prophet is there, as are the other champions and Ludo Bagman. It's the weighing of the wands, and Rita Skeeter is there to cover it. She's latched onto Harry immediately and drags him to a broom cupboard for an interview where she and her quick quote squill begin concocting an embellished story that has very little to do with Harry's increasingly uncomfortable answers. She's got pointed questions about his injury, how he's feeling, and what he thinks his parents would think. Finally, Dumbledore intervenes and takes Harry back to the ceremony where Mr. Ollivander is checking the wands. Each champion presents his or her wand, and Ollivander intuits what it's made of. Fleurs has a Vila hair core, which makes it temperamental. Cedric's was made by Ollivander, and Crumbs comes from... 
a wand maker named Grigorovich, and ensures that it's in working order. Then there are photos, and Harry finally escapes to dinner in the common room. Ron's barely speaking to Harry, but does manage to tell him he has a letter from Sirius who wants to set up a meeting on November 22nd. Not even close. <laughs> Afraid not. Eight seconds over. It's going to be hard for these next few chapters. These are, they're, they're dense. They are, they, uh, uh, we have finally gotten to the point where a lot happens in these chapters. Well, it's particularly hard this chapter because it's not like these are major event chapters, mm-hmm. but they're the kind of decompressing chapters in between them where everything kind of needs to be addressed and adjusted and set up for what will be the next really active chapter. Yeah, the major events chapters frequently have like skimmable stuff. Yeah. Um, to really highlight the major event. This is all like secondary, but not really skimmable. Um, so hence for our listeners who did not see the uh, disappointingly plastic <laughs> stopwatch, <laughs> that was a two minutes and seven second summary. Indeed. Still a good summary. Uh, complete. It's a, well, we'll get into my, into my newbies notes here in a second, but before then, BJ, you had a, fo- you had a few new words in this chapter. Are you going to focus on those or different things for wizard wheezes? Um, there are some things that, that I'm going to wheeze about. Um, I think the the first thing is sycophantically is just a great word. Um, I'm Agreed. impressed that it's here, um, partially because the likelihood that anybody that, that's reading it that is of a similar age to Harry is very low. Um, but I do appreciate its uh, inclusion. Mm-hmm. We're going to return to the fact that J.K. Rowling is some sort of lizard person. Because <laughs> she has absolutely no interaction with the real world that I understand. Okay. I, now what? <laughs> You've, we're not going to dispute you may have grounds to assert this, but what are you focusing on this time? So I, the details of, in which some characters are described is interesting. But my favorite is Cedric, who looked the part of a champion so much more than than Harry Potter did. He's exceptionally handsome with a straight nose, dark hair, and gray eyes. I don't understand why the description of an exceptionally handsome person, teenager, is straight nose and dark hair. This is like the, the most insane thing for anybody to have picked out to try and describe somebody as attractive and I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. It's kind of like J.K. Rowling like doesn't realize that people have things other than faces because like Victor Crumb has like you know eyebrows that almost connect together and like a protruding forehead. I think, and that's his description. He also has a duck walk. No, he has other things about him. Okay, but and that's not like that. That's like an action description, not like a physical appearance description. Well, they said he looked bow legged. Okay. He also also walks on like like he's got a hunch too, right? Or or at least poor posture. I think so. Yeah, and he slouches. But but but, like I I she never was she clearly never was a teenager that was interested in anybody else and looked at anybody else. Like I just I don't know what's going on. I mean, you could just say he was tall, dark, and handsome, but but I guess he has dark hair and that's enough. Like I, I. what are we doing? I, I, really, I don't, the, the movie's corrected this for us. I, I, I really thought you were actually going to stop that sentence of she did, she never was a teenager and just ended on that point. <laughs> I was like, she came into existence at age 20 into the world. Sprang out like Athena I, from from the, so. the large lizard lord that, she's, that, that she has descended from. Like, I don't... Uh, BJ, if you, if you ever needed to debate what J.K. Rowling is apparently into... 
dark hair, gray eyes, and a straight nose. Those are the things that turn around. Apparently. Yeah, I don't know why this is confusing. <laughs> um, we're not going to go into something that, that, that Sarah will probably actually try and come and physically hit me for. But I will highlight the paragraph, which is Harry looked down at his own wand. He could see finger marks all over it. He gathered a <laughs> fistful of robe from his knee and tried to rub it clean surreptitiously. Several gold sparks shot out of the end of it. Fleur Delacour gave him a very patronizing look and he desisted. There's... I would imagine that it is not, dis- the Fleur Delacour's look is not dissimilar from the one I would be giving you now were you to have a webcam <laughs> with your camera. I mean, I can see your look, Visible. but yes. Um, can we just say that this one is intentional? You can say it, Spencer. No, th- th- this, is, this seems like a classic example of this is a bit of an in-joke tittering thrown in for the parents while they're reading to their kids. This is a surprisingly adult joke in the middle of a Saturday morning ca- cartoon. Yeah. I mean, and also just... There's, there's this sort of very interesting thing of, like, how gross are these wands that, that you know, some people just aren't cleaning? And, like, what are they getting into? I mean, I just met and the amount of I, time... We have all seen those keyboards, I think. That's is. true. But also the amount of time that Harry spends polishing his broom, you figure he could, you know, give his wand a couple of swipes. I, I'm almost picturing, like, you know, a person's cell phone where they've not wiped the screen in a while, and it's just got yeah. all the fingerprints and just oh. of ear all over it. Spencer, you, you bring up something that is intensely personal to me, but the number of people that use their cell phones with gloves on in lab disgusts oh, me. Oh, gross. Oh, oh. So with all of the lab just getting on the screen? It, I, it, it's... And then all of the screen getting on the lab? <laughs> and then all of that getting on their ear. At, well... <laughs> I, I, I think you might be the only person that actually talks in a cell phone, Spencer, but then putting it in their pocket and like wherever else it goes. Well, that was gross. Thank you for that thought, PJ. We've all learned a lot about each other in this conversation. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, newbie's notes? Yes. Let, 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 let us move on to newbie's notes. All right, this is a bit. Of, this is definitely a bit of a breather chapter, but I actually kind of enjoyed these breather chapters because they really give us a, a chance to just pause for a second between action scenes and actually kind of see things from a different perspective and maybe even from other people's perspectives we hadn't before. And so having just the world's response to Harry Potter as a character was a really almost kind of meta experience in this chapter, and I enjoyed it. First point, though, and this went on for like three pages, but thank you, Hermione, for just cutting through it all. She's, in very rapid order, correctly reads the situation with respect to why Ron is acting why he is, diagnoses the jealousy, deduces that Harry didn't actually, you know, put his name in the cup because she believes and trusts and knows Harry as a friend at this point, uh, and also advises Harry about how to correct the situation with Ron and to talk to Sirius, and she does this in, like, the first three pages. This is some very aggressive adulting on her part that I appreciate, though it makes a major point in contrast to how Harry is trying to himself respond to these events in the same pages. And and refuses it, all, all help that he can possibly have until Hermione basically puts a pen in his hand, puts a paper in front of him, and is just like, I'm going to hit you until you write it. Yeah, she basically just grabs him by the nose and pulls him to where he needs to be to fix the situation and, you know, probably actively avoid death in the pages that will come. So, good on her. Yeah. It's a very necessary role. Uh, Uh, Next point, something that's really amused me as a visual, as a visual, 
But the fact that they apparently feed the sea monster bread like it's an overgrown duck or a very large carp, delightful. I appreciated that. Yeah. Sea monster is a character that needs to be that needs to be you know appearing more in this story. I feel. So so do you think they feed it crumbs or is it just like massive loaves of bread that they just like chuck in there? You know, trenchers or whatever. Sarah, we're gonna get to this in questions. Save this for questions. Okay. Don't say anything. Fair. I'm talking with BJ here. BJ, how big do you think this sea monster is? Um. I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I, I imagine it's like a large alligator or something like that, maybe. Um, I, I don't imagine it's really that big. I, I was picturing, picturing you know, the, the, the Watcher from Lord of the Rings kind of size for this thing. I was thinking it was pretty damn massive. Like, you know, it and the boat have a hard time fitting in the same lake. The Watcher and Lord of the Rings. That, was that in the movies? That was in the, 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 giant, <laughs> the, the giant tentacled monster that grabs Frodo yeah. briefly. Come on, you've seen this shit. <sighs> Uh, we'll re- we'll, Sarah said we'll return to the po- some actual questions about the sea monster in the lake here in a minute. But uh, also for Harry, dear God, is this man losing friends quickly and seemingly just getting angry at the thought of it? Is that, you know, well, Ron is just... He's not losing friends. Friend. He has two. He lost one. He hasn't lost Hermione, so it's, you know... He- <laughs> No, sir, sir, he lost his totem of protection. His owl has turned on him. I, I wouldn't say that he was ever friends with his owl. I think it was, I don't think this was a two-way relationship. <laughs> are, are you suggesting <laughs> the owl was an employee? The hell. Well. <laughs> but, uh, so that, that's rough. And then, if you know you've reached a low point in your life, when the Hufflepuffs turn on you. When the well, entire- this, I mean, this is complicated by Cedric Diggory. This is complicated by Cedric Diggory. And also some, I think, perfectly fair non-character response to Harry always being front and center. I mean, yeah. at a certain point, you're going to call the universe out on this shit. And they're kind of doing that here. But it is interesting how quickly everyone was willing to turn on him. Oh, yeah. And it's like... Everyone, too. I mean, the Hufflepuffs, they're out. They got their reasons, but they're they're out. I feel a certain kind of house obligation to also hate Harry, but I've already mm-hmm. had my own reasons for doing so, so that's not too hard. Uh, Ravenclaw was a surprise. Ravenclaw, it was a surprise to Harry, too. Yeah. They are out well, on him. Just mm-hmm. Is it a surprise to Harry because he cares about Ravenclaw? Well, at least one person in Ravenclaw and basically nobody else. <laughs> Possible? Definitely possible. I think it's also Harry just finally kind of realizing that if you are the main character of the story that's going to earn you a small amount of resentment, which oddly enough, he has both Hermione and Hagrid point out to him, which when Hagrid's having to rely on Hagrid to point this out to you, you know you've not really thought about this previously. Yeah. I mean, it's also... Yeah, if Hagrid is your emotional sort of... Compass, it's a, it's a little... Lodestone <laughs> in the... Yeah, Hagrid's a good emotional support animal, but when he's providing you honest-to-God advice, man, Mm. where in the hell is your support network gone? Yeah, Uh, he's not quite Jiminy Cricket. Um, No, no. So the other thing that I sort of wanted to say on that point is it's really interesting, like, you, you sort of have to appreciate how, like, the amount that's existing outside of Hogwarts to have all the students already fed up with Harry Potter. Because, you know... Most times, like, kids interacting with other kids, like, they'll either not care, you know, there might be some dislike, like, whatever, but it's probably their parents are like, oh, like, how is it being in class with Harry Potter? Mm -hmm. And they're just like, oh, my God, I hate this kid already. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a possibility. It seems... What she appears to be going for is the kind of just immediate high school word of mouth kind of thing of where it just seems like Mm -hmm. everybody's point of view is changing like a wave. Mm -hmm. Um... And Harry's usually on the positive side of that, but definitely not today. 
No, uh, when teenagers turn against you, it is swift and it is vicious. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, speaking of swift and vicious, oh, God, Scroot walks. <laughs> uh, from a visual standpoint, Scroot walks may be something I desperately want to see animated, like, now. Because that just sounds like a fun... You know, of the various things that have been discussed as a sport in this universe... Scroot walks may be my one I most want to see played out in reality. Oh, boy. So does that make so, it? What? Sarah, does that make the cut to the movies? Oh, to the movies. No, unfortunately, it does not. I do oh, not believe damn. we see Scroots in their full form. I object. <laughs> uh, now, as said, Hagrid again reveals himself as just being the most good egg of peoples. Mm-hmm. Is that... you know? Hermione had Harry's back because Hermione, you know, is smart to do the situation, and she's, in some ways, Harry's closest friend. Hagrid doesn't have necessarily that kind of connection, but he just inherently trusts Harry, and that's heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Is that, well, you said it, so why wouldn't I doubt you? And also, Dumbledore believes you, so, again, it's like, you are just too good for this sinful earth, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that, but, like, there's also Harry and Hagrid have spent a reasonable amount of time together. They have. So, like, it's not just, like, I believe the best in you. It's, like, well, presumably they've, like, hung out a lot in Hagrid's hut. So... Yeah. (laughs) Are you expecting Hagrid to pick up those kind of personal cues, though? Well, but they've had a bunch of interactions of Harry telling the truth about things Mm -hmm. that seem a little far-fetched at times. I I would absolutely believe that another person in Hagrid's shoes can confronted with this amount of information and this amount of prior exposure will be able to reach reasonable conclusions about whether somebody's telling the truth or not. But Hagrid. That's true. He seems uh, to be a fairly good judge of character, though. <laughs> yes and no. This is also the guy that continues to bring incredibly dangerous animals to the school and put them around children. He's a the... judge of character, not decision-making. <laughs> he continually says the char- that, these, that these animals are just the sweetest thing. Aren't they friendly? Oh, they're eating each other. Let me think of ways to stop them from doing that. <laughs> He's better at humans, weirdly better, enough. <laughs> better at humans. Yes, this is true. Maybe it's from lack of exposure, honestly. He hasn't, had, yeah. he hasn't been... He hasn't been prejudiced enough. Uh, he's also, he also provides an odd bit of kind of self-aware commentary here of where he actually tells Harry at one point, you know, it's kind of weird that everything seems to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Again. And that kind of that kind of sticks with Harry, especially because it is like a variation on the theme of what Hermione had told him earlier. If Harry becomes self-aware, the story collapses. So I'm, it can't go too far. Uh, I'm fully convinced that Slytherin stop aging emotionally at about six. Because, man, they're not trying hard with this just kind of pranks. They've got literal glowing buttons that say Harry Potter... Is it stinks or sucks? I didn't write it down. Stinks, yeah. It's not even sucks. It's... Again, if Harry could just be capable of ignoring them for five minutes, they would self-combust. I mean... Would they, though? They have the juvenile equivalent of a toddler throwing a tantrum. The literal best thing you could do is walk out of the room. I think they might have enough oxygen to just keep going. Yeah, I mean, that that's uh. sort of where it's just like they just rally around it and that becomes a thing. And Harry Potter just doesn't have to be any there anymore. That They have like club meetings about Harry Potter stinking yeah. that he just doesn't come up in <laughs> anymore. It, it is very possible that it is self-feeding in a truly disgusting way. Uh, we do get two new spells this chapter. 
and they appear to be particular spells based on the fact they are yelling out words with respect to them. Mm-hmm. Sarah, can you pronounce these for us, please? Oh, geez. I don't have my book right in front of me. It's and like... I do not remember what they are because, <laughs> spoiler, they never appear again. Just, I was going to ask. Uh, Fernunculus, I believe Fernunculus, yes, yeah. Which appears to just instantaneously make your face just boil-ridden. It's like instantaneous, you know, 15th century plague kind of effect on one's body. And the other one is Din, Dinsagio? Dinsagio? BJ, B- how would you pronounce I that one? I don't know. I think Dinsagio, maybe. I... That sounds so Japanese. Uh, it... It appears to have the instantaneous effect of growing things, or it may be the fact it's got den at the front of it actually be growing teeth, which is I think it might be specifically teeth. Man. (laughs) Well, Hermione gets the worst of that one, and honestly, this may be Snape's most cruel moment. It's honestly the worst. I I knew this was a bad moment (sighs) in previous readings of this, but reading it this time, um, possibly because I was doing my notes or or whatever, but like it Mm -hmm. was, it's so, it's just atrocious behavior. And it's it's weird because like it doesn't quite fit, I guess, with at least my conception of why he's, there are instances that he's terrible that, that, are as far as I understand, like story wise and character wise on brand, mm-hmm. and this isn't. We have him seen him be casually horrible to Hermione before, and we have yeah. seen him be casually horrible to Neville before. So Neville makes sense to me, but like I guess <laughs> go on. So that's but, gonna have to be unpacked later. <laughs> I mean, I think the really easy answer is, like, he dislikes the incompetent, you know, that, that he views yes. him as incompetent. And it's yes. just like, I'm the best potions master of all time, and I'm wasting my time teaching this incompetent child who can't do anything right. Right. This is the person, this this person is the embodiment for why I had to take a first aid class before I started this semester, because I will need it at some point. Yeah, but, you know, whether, well, I agree that it is not, that the casual awfulness to Hermione does not actually seem in character for Snape. It is, it is at least in the sense that, like, he has done it before in other scenarios. Yeah, maybe he's just an anti-dentite. He has certainly mocked her before. He's even put her Mm -hmm. down before. But this is a level, as you said, of casual cruelty that we've not seen out of him. This is, this came, this sounded like it was more coming out of Malfoy than Snape, and just in Mm -hmm. terms of how just unnecessarily of, a put down for someone who's already having a rough moment is. Yeah. But it seems like Snape's just been really on edge this entire book, and this just may be a further reflection of it, that Snape's not been at his best emotionally, and his best isn't great either. <laughs> I mean, it, like, he's punching down from getting punched by Moody, I think is like the, this is gonna be what this entire book is. Yeah. <laughs> if, if this is a There's continuing... Tr- an element of that. Yeah, if this is a continuing trend of, you know, Snape continuing to not get the job he wants and people that just outright annoy him or directly hostile to him getting the job, I don't, I think Snape may just straight murder someone before this series is done. <laughs> um, let's see here. It's an interesting thing of weighing the wands because it's directly meant to, you know, draw comparisons to, you know, weighing champions for a fight or checking the equipment before a match. Mm-hmm. In terms of characters that I've had described or talked about and then met later, Rita Skeeter may be the farthest from what I was expecting. <laughs> How so? I was expecting, you know, like 1880s muckraker, not 1980s tabloid journalism. <laughs> yeah. But it works. Uh, I have a hard time picturing this character in robes. I've always struggled to picture some of these characters in wizard robes. This one demands a certain kind of 1980s business suit kind of look. 
Is she described in robes in the chapter? She is. Oh, because she is definitely, I do not see her in robes either. And she is definitely not in the movies. She has a a very smart, uh, it's either sparkly or some sort of like (laughs) animal skin green suit. Interesting. Which I think is actually more in keeping with the picture at the beginning of this chapter. Yeah. Than perhaps whatever the actual description is in the in the chapter it, it, it's worth it's worth noting it's, you know i think it's bagman says this is rita skitter he added gesturing towards the witch in magenta robes mm, and, interesting in, in terms of her parents her hair was set in elaborate and curiously rigid curls that contrasted oddly with her heavily jawed face she wore jeweled spectacles the thick fingers clenching her crocodile skin handbag into two inch nails painted crimson i'm fine with all that all that mm-hmm. can work for what they're going with it's the robes that still just throw me off for some of these characters. Yeah, the mo- I will say that the movies uh, ditch the robes for a lot of... <laughs> for essentially all of the scenes where the students are not actively in classes, the robes are gotcha. gone past the first movie. Uh, now, as much as you know, playing catch-up a bit with her uh, visual appearance, I would really pay money to have her narrate the entire story. Or at least have her little notepad narrate the entire story. It, yeah. That... That sounds like a fun, over-the-top ride. So are you jealous of this, Sarah, of of just, like, having basically literary dreck issue forth from a pen while while you, you know, sketch out, like, some very bare-bones outlines? Yeah, I I would actually pay really good money to have one of these. And in fact, you know what? Bring it on. The more maudlin, the better. (laughs) Like, I'm totally... Just give it to me. We'll just go straight for, like, a Barbara Cartland novel <laughs> and move on. Uh, in terms of returning characters, we have Oliv- we have Ollivander back in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. honestly, he may be one of my favorite bit characters, just in the sense of the element of just mysterious knowledge that's associated with him. Yeah. I love those kind of characters that just seem like they have just aeons of lore bound up in their soul. And mm-hmm. this character just screams that. So in terms of the hero's journey, uh, this is more probably the the uh, wizened old man with with the necessary magical item rather than Dumbledore. <laughs> it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Yes, this is that character. Um, we also apparently have going to have a return of Sirius, which thank you, Hermione, for that. Yeah. Uh, this is a character that is stubbornly determined to protect Harry Potter from himself and. Thank God Harry's got friends to make sure that character is in the loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a few questions to follow, but before we get there, Sarah, House who won and who lost this character, this chapter? You've this got options, I feel. The, well, the, I believe that there's only one correct option for who lost this chapter. Yeah. 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 Um, and I don't think, I think we, we need to sort head. of tease other options. <laughs> uh, Harry has had the worst of all possible weeks. Are we at about maybe a week at this point? I don't know. It's been bad. Mm-hmm. It's been real hard. I'm just saying, um, like, interesting, because um, Hermione had a pretty bad bad day. She had a bad day. But Harry had a bad chapter. chapter. Yeah, that's true. Yes. But yeah. Um, I, and I, Hermione did get to be sort of wise and helpful at the beginning of the chapter. That's true. <laughs> uh, the image of her giving, giving Harry toast, Spencer brought up. Yeah. Sort of thoughts of taking <laughs> away chicken wings from you. <laughs> 
Okay, great callback. Yes. Uh, um, that that is so. I you know I think she came out probably neutral. At least she did get she did just leave the situation. So right. that's so, something I guess. Um, although Sarah, not ideal. Sarah, if, if I'd had a sea monster to throw the chicken wings at so that it could enjoy them <laughs> instead of me, I would have. But instead, I had you. So it worked out. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, but we do have um, the other side. We do have. Yeah, and I do think that we have, like, several options for winners Mm -hmm. in this chapter. Um, A lot of people had pretty good chapters. I mean, I think, as as we frequently have in any chapter where Harry has had a bad chapter and he appeared, Malfoy had a pretty good chapter. Yes. Yeah. He's got, you know, a whole committee now that's formed for the purpose of hating Harry. It's organized. They've got buttons. They've got buttons. And it's so sad that there are so many more buttons for this cause than for Spew. Unsurprising, but it but it is sad. Unsurprising, but upsetting. So do you um, think so- that Snape needed to be told that he couldn't wear a button? I do. Yes, I do think that he had to be reminded, probably by McGonagall, that it is against school policy for teachers to take active sides in these debates. Um, he also, you know, got to watch um, Harry and Ron and essentially Hermione be punished and get no... Low um, back from uh, blowback his, his in return. Uh, yes. Tooth spell. Yes. Yep. So Malfoy had a good day. I would also suggest Spencer sort of to your to your point, our our main man Ollivander had a pretty good day. Front and center brought in for a major event for the How old is Ollivander? Like honestly, do we know? We have no idea. Possibly ageless kind of thing. Possibly ageless. He and Dumbledore might have come up together. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, man, he's going to participate in the Triwizard Tournament, the first of his life. I don't actually know that. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) Was Um, he advising on the old rules? Because he was the only one there. So he had a pretty good he had a pretty good day. Rita Skeeter seemed to have had a great day. I I don't know Um, that Rita Skeeter has many bad days. There doesn't seem to be a defamation of of wizard uh, (laughs) law, so... Eh. And yeah, she has not come up before the wizen gamut under and <laughs> being sued for. Everybody seems to sort of tolerate her. Yeah, yeah. I, also, I would just like to point out, as a side note, that one of my favorite things about this entire chapter is just her and Dumbledore interacting. Yeah, yeah. I think they just like genuinely like each other in this moment, which is. You said some terrible <laughs> things about me, and that was funny. <laughs> I think, um, I think it's a good. I think it's a good read, Sarah. I think they really do genuinely enjoy genuinely enjoy each other's company. Yeah, um, as long as they don't spend too much time with each other, I would imagine. Yep. Um, but then I would also point out, and I'm I'm open to other suggestions. But you know who else had a pretty good day? Hmm. Is Colin Creevy. Yeah. Colin Creevy had a good day. That's a fair. That's a fair call too. He got to come and fetch Harry from potions. He got to talk to him all the way upstairs. The entire walk. He was walk. given a task by Dumbledore potentially. Um, so this was this was a good day for him. So I we do have we have a lot of options. Um, yeah. Thoughts, I, votes. So uh, I, mm-hmm. I think as the only person that has a, a uh, you know ten thousand foot view, I, I think that that might be like does Colin Creevy ever have good days after this? Because I feel like, you know, we should let him have it if... That might be true. We don't... We see Colin Creevy a few more times. He, he also got to boss Snape around. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was... 
And that felt viscerally good at the end of that chapter, or at the end of that sort of episode in the chapter. All right, I'm sold. Give it to Colin Creevy, real hero of chapter 18. He doesn't get a lot else, so we're going to give him what, what we can what we can. Fair enough. Which Fair is actually enough. one of the reasons I wouldn't name a different character for it, because he, Cedric Diggory seems like he just kind of lives this life. Like, it's an especially good day of it, but it's not that far sure. removed from the kind of baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point. That's a matter of degrees rather than this an is, actual This is something that Colin flipped. Creevy is going to talk about for decades to come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, okay. so mm-hmm. questions. Uh, as I previously noted, I have questions about the sea monster that I finally want to address. Yes. Uh, a, level of sentience. B, how big is this damn thing? Because BJ and I don't agree. B, big, big. Like, bi- relative to the ship that's currently hanging out on its lake. Big? As big? Yeah. yeah this a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It doesn't, yeah, it, it does not translate well to an audio format, but I am weighing the scales in my hands here. <laughs> gotcha. And they are approximately equal. Okay. And then level of intelligence of this creature, are we talking, you know, Fox the Phoenix, or are we talking more or less than that? Maybe, Seems- a, maybe a level under Fox. It, mm. We don't get a whole lot of, like, real indication, but it, it is assumed that, like, he has things going on in his own private life. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, he he did save the youngest Creepy because one that's one of the data points we have. Yes, yes, and I think that that is while just one data point. I think that it is a fair one for where we should be judging his kind of level of of sentience. It, it, it didn't assume the young the uh, youngest Creepy was just an overlarge piece of bread. Yes, <laughs> no, that might have ended differently. Um, I mean, that's more like if we had uh, a Dursley in there. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> that's more of a dumpling, though. Anyway. Oh, um, next question. <laughs> how many phoenixes are there? Um, well, do, we meet one. Right. Do we, are there, so like, is. There are other phoenixes, okay. yes. It, was, it, it, was it a, is a species, not a magic, not an individual yes. magical creature. Right. Yes, so, there are others. We don't meet them. Okay. Um, it was but a. there are other ones. Do we know who's, which phoenix feather these phoenix feathers are? Because that would be a really interesting, uh. like. If they're foxes' feathers, uh-huh. that would be, be sort of a Dumbledore cool like, tie-in, but I, that's too much to hope for. Hmm. Uh, we have at one point Malfoy say half the Triwizard champions have died. Is mm-hmm. that an accurate statistic? Do we learn? Oh, I don't. We don't ever really learn that. That's just a thing Malfoy says. Okay. Um, I don't. I mean, I, people do die. <laughs> It, it, it seemed like the, a Malfoy kind of statistic rather than one that was necessarily grounded in real life. But in this world, I'm, I'm never quite sure. Hence why I ask. Yeah. Um, I am I am trying to do a very quick look up to see if who would know um, or if, if there's any indication of it. But I don't. Although that might. Hold on one second. That might be the case. I am on the Harry Potter wiki now, which I know is also great radio. But... <laughs> This actually indicates that there might only have been four Triwizard tournaments. Oh, wow. Um, because we have the dates of them, and one is assumed to be approximately 1294. One was either in 1494 or 1594, unclear. One was in 1792, and then we have the 94-95 one, um, in which we are currently 
ensconced. So, no, that's it, not right. There, there have been 125 editions of the tournament. Those are just the four. So we I don't know where those do- dates are. Um, those are probably the four we actually have specifically documented, kind of thing in the story. I mean, that's, so the yeah. other thing that yeah. that surprises me is, I guess I expected a lot of the schools of wizardry to be different ages, not like established around the same time. And mm. for whatever reason, I also thought that Hogwarts was younger than that. Like they established a triwizard tournament in, you know, the the late 1200s. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Battle of Hastings was clearly done with wands. Um, <laughs> oh, so when, when, Fair when, enough. When, so when Harold Godwinson has that kind of just wooden object in his eye in the Bayou Tapestry, <laughs> that is actually a wand that was thrown in there or something? Yes, so somebody cast uh, the Yeet spell and it, it went awry. <laughs> Gotcha. Just making sure. Well, BJ, I got one more. What, what have you? What else have you got? Um. So, do are there specific things about the hairs and things that go into wands that make them special, or you know, could um? And now I'm blanking on her name. Just like go up to her grandmother and just like pluck some hairs and like try out different wands and just be like, oh, this one's better. Oh, that one was a great oh, one. It doesn't work as well. Um. I think that. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. It, it seems like Oliver makes a bit of a career out of this. So eh. yeah, I well, I don't know. I mean, I I, hmm. I mean, Ollivander seems unclear on the Vila hair himself. That's true. So. Like, but I guess like to extend it, like, do, does he, um, you know, dip a phoenix in boiling water and then just test all of the the oh. or. or or I guess ice cold water for the phoenix, and just like test all of the oh, thefts. I, it sounds like we are not doing a sort of like elephant tusk um, retrieval here. Like I think they just pluck individual feathers or hairs or something. Gotcha. But I would also point out that we do get from the very first book, you know, the description that we get, and it's unclear if this is specific to to phoenixes, phoenixi. Fini, um, is that the the phoenix who gave the two feathers for Harry and Voldemort's wand mm-hmm. gave them, like, actually gave them, like, offered them in some way. That doesn't seem to be the case from the unicorn tail hair that Ollivander plucked for Cedric's wand, but it's unclear the extent to which that has to happen for other types of wands. Oh God, Sarah! We've got options. It's uh, the, the according, according to Wiktionary, the plural of phoenix is either phoenixes, phoenixes with a c, or just phoenix, like sheep. Okay, well that clears up nothing for me. I'm here for that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, it was interesting too to have Ollivander actually tell a story about how he actually personally harvested one of the uh, I think it was unicorn hairs. Yeah, for mm-hmm. for Cedric's wand. Which, again, suggests he's not content with just having people deliver him goods. He actually wants to be out there just to, you know, collect collect and possibly I was, select. I was going to say, like, I, I imagined him as making wands and the purveyor of his goods and maybe some others, but, but kind of like a, you know, some jewelry consignment shops where, like, you might have other artists' stuff along with it, but... Nope, it seems like he's doing all of it. <laughs> Uh, which is like, can you just imagine? Like, thank God he doesn't have other people working for him in the store. Because, like, can you imagine being his underling and like 
trying to get him to not get kicked in the head by a unicorn while he goes out to harvest <laughs> the, the unicorn hair. Like, that sounds exhausting. Also, in terms of just perfectionists of their craft, dear God, would that suck to have to be a journeyman trainer under him. Just oh, boy. The amount of wands you would have to throw out before he would be content with one. Jeez, yeah. that No, that sounds terrible. And is possibly why he's 187 years old and the only person doing this. <laughs> Man, if he dies at this point, do, do wizards in England just not get wands anymore? The knowledge is just with him. Well, yeah, there, it's a real is... problem. Could we get, like, a succession plan going on here or something? He does have a reasonable, like, storehouse, it seems. So there is yeah. that. Reserves, yes. Um, do we know what underperforming wands do? <laughs> what uh, Ron's broken one a couple books ago did. Well, but that was uh, broken. Yeah. So I assume, like, there's a, you know, little blue pill fix or something, but... <sighs> you already got that. You already got one of those scenes this chapter, BJ. You can't I add did, but, but it was just, uh, you know, underperforming wand. It, it just seems, you know, about there. Can you cast Engorgio on it? And then it's fine. Sarah's choosing not to answer this question, so I will continue. Uh, Sarah, we have a scene here of when Ollivander is testing each of the wands to make sure they adhere to tournament standards, mm -hmm. that a particular magical effect comes out of each. Is this like a summoning of the inherent spirit of the wand, or is this specifically an effect that Ollivander is just kind of conjuring to test it out of his own amusement? I think it's a. I think that is a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think it it harkens back in my mind anyway, and this is never like explained. So you know we can theorize all we want. Um, in my mind, it harkens back to the trials that Harry went through when he was swishing the wands in Ollivander's mm -hmm. shop, waiting for some sort of reaction that was not like boxes flying off shelves or yeah. <laughs> breaking vases or things like that. But it does also seem that like Ollivander is just showing off a little bit because. He can. Yeah. I, I, I agree. That was kind of my read, is that some of the effects appeared like they were kind of a bit related to the wand itself, like, you know, summoning the bouquet of flowers with from the Vila hair. Mm -hmm. uh, the vaguely explosive kind of effect we got out of the uh, Crumbs wand. What was, yeah. what was mm -hmm. in his wand? It was like a hornbuck thing or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember right. exactly what it was. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. Okay. But it also um, seemed like Ollivander was performing for a crowd. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Because I don't think that, like, a spew of champagne is, like, inherently related to <laughs> yeah. Harry's wand. Um, no, not necessarily. I can't remember if we talked about this before, but how personal are wands? Like, is there just no... You know, it seems a little... Well, we've talked a little bit about it. It seems a little weird that other people can just use it, and, and Harry's really good about not keeping his wand in his eyesight. Um, yeah. But, like, there's some indication that, like, wands are finicky in, like, what they produce. Mm -hmm. And then other indications, and maybe this is just Ollivander, that, like, you can just pick up and do whatever you want with it. Um, also, the end of the last book where somebody is holding a pile of wands and everybody's sort of afraid of them. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the real answer is that like you can essentially use anybody else's wand and get a more or less fine effect especially if you're doing more everyday spells mm -hmm. i think um more complicated magic um and more i don't know what because i'm thinking about like the unforgivable curses right right more mm -hmm. emotional magic becomes a little weirder when you're trying to use somebody else's wand so not that you still like notably you can and Shocker, we will see this later in this book, but notably you can use somebody else's <laughs> wand yeah. um, to use things like unforgivable curses. Um, 
but it's just never quite as good or as easy, I think. Yeah, I just imagine it kind of like using somebody else's computer. Like you can do the same things, but then you're just like, why the hell are 50 billion tabs open? And why are yeah. icons all over the it's desktop? Gonna, it's going to feel a little weird and you're not going to know where to find anything. Yeah. Oh God, OSX, what do I do? Okay, I'll, <laughs> I, I, I can work through this. Yeah. Uh, so, so talk uh, about Vila hairs. Um, <laughs> it's the Apple product. I, I, <laughs> no. A Grigorovich wand is a, a, a Linux, Linux yeah. operating system. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is a fun kind of read off. What's interesting that Ollivander does not sell Apple products in his store. <laughs> um, I, I also kind of imagined Ollivander would, if anybody could use anyone's wand, Ollivander could. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd almost, yeah. it's, it's almost like, you know, Microsoft working with the CIA to always give them a back door to access all of their products kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if anybody could hide, can hijack it when they need to, Ollivander probably could. He's a firm believer yeah. in a right to repair your own wand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm out of questions. So that's a good Any note others. to end on. <laughs> um, I'm um, looking forward to the next chapter, which is... What is the next chapter? I believe it's chapter 19, um, because this was 18, um, and things sure. usually progress in a mostly linear fashion. Um, this is the Hungarian horntail. Yes, and we have mm. the picture of uh, some things that look like... Well, one kind of looks like Bowser and a... <laughs> an alligator had a had a love child. The other looks like Bowser and an iguana had a love child. And then there's one that looks a little bit more like a classic dragon. <laughs> and they're all in a box. Yeah, if all three of these are the same species, oh, that is a four. weird damn species. There are four. The fourth one in there? Uh, the one snouts that, that's at the bottom. Oh, yep, you're right. I thought that was an arm. Um, and some Lilliputian wizards strangling them. Mm-hmm. No, nothing about this can go wrong. Clearly, no. this is... If, if I had to guess what Hagrid was so excited about, this just screams Hagrid's dream weekend. <laughs> TBD, who wins the next chapter? Um, I also imagine that, like, one of these is, is the dragon that he had to give up. Oh, Norbert. Oh. <laughs> that would make him the most excited. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, All awesome. right. Before- Yes. Before, before we end, I finally found it. Crumb's wand is hornbeam and dragon heartstring. Oh, gotcha. Is hornbeam an actual wood? Anyway, um, we'll figure that out off pod, but it's great. Bye, guys. <laughs>